0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee?
2: And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys! Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's ultimate sports fan destination. And it's time for Wolfing down your lunch. off today's top sports stories in one place. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron.
3: So reaction continues to pour in surrounding Robert. Just. Dis- Robert Sarver's decision to sell. And this morning, ESPN's Brian Winhorst joined Bickley and Murata and discussed a name to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I would keep an eye on uh, the family of the late uh, Sheldon Adelson. Um, uh His uh, wife Miriam, he uh, obviously is worth. He he passed away, I believe, last year. Um, I believe his estate was over twenty-five billion dollars. Mostly known for owning the Venetian um, in Las Vegas, Um, his family and his heirs, uh, I believe, were parts of bids for the LA Clippers when Steve Ballmer bought it, and were involved in the Raiders, maybe not necessarily to buy the Raiders, but were involved in potentially owning that stadium. And
3: Your thoughts on that?
2: I, I tell you, I don't have, obviously, a specific name for who's going to buy the team, Wolf, but I hope it is somebody that... Maybe they don't have it when they first get here, but takes the time to have a sense of what this team specifically means to this city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I do think that was kind of, whether it was missing or not with Robert Sarver, the perception was always there of kind of like, yeah, does he get how much this team means to the Valley and the history? And I'm sure he yeah. did to a certain extent, but like, there could have been more. And I know that that didn't sit well with a lot of Suns fans. Right.
0: Uh, can we get Jerry to buy the team again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, about. that would, that would we, answer probably, that question. That would yeah. be kind of cool. I
3: thought you were with your Pro Bowl checks.
0: Oh, (laughs) Yeah, right. With Um, some venom. You know what? Once again, uh, Jeff Bezos. That'd be okay as well, right? Would you be okay with that? He's got
2: some money, I think. But but whatever it is, when they come in, like somebody like Bezos probably doesn't have a sense of what the Suns mean to the Valley. So learn when you get here. Don't just be like, "This is my team, and that's all that matters." Because. I, I would still say well, that the Suns, you, this is a basketball city because the Suns have been here forever.
0: You know, but listen, if a guy like Bezos wants to come in here and suddenly say, I don't care about the luxury tax, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're I
2: don't just know gonna why go. Ahead, would. And we're going to win
0: a championship. I don't care what it costs me because, uh, you know what, I've got $200 billion. None of it matters. So I'm going to win a championship. I got no problem if he wants to come in here and say, I don't care about the luxury tax. We're going to win a championship.
3: The Cardinals are gearing up for the LA Rams on Sunday, their first division game of the 2022-2023 NFL season. So, is there a chip on anyone's shoulder following the wild card loss the Rams last year? Here's Cliff Kingsbury.
4: Yeah, I would say. I mean, they've they obviously had our number here for a long time, and um, that's not lost upon us. But we're just trying to improve. Um, the last two weeks, we have started so slow and uh 12 penalties last week I and mean, there's a lot that we had folks on us and we know they're a talented team and defending champs and, and uh so it's really been about us improving this week
3: so with the nfc west so wide open right now each team is at one on one one and one how crucial is it for the cardinals to get the win on sunday
2: uh, I mean, it's it's pretty crucial. You know, Wolf, I know, I know that the guys in that room are not playing for how the fans perceive them, but there is nothing you could do more to make your fan base confidence than win against the Rams at home. Check the two biggest boxes that, that fans of this team have been concerned about over the last year and a half, and even longer with the Rams. Beat the Rams and beat them in your building.
0: Yeah, you know, it's such a long season that I don't think this is a crucial must-have game for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't. They're sitting here at 1-1 one and one right now. Um, what I do think is important is there's a lot of upside that is here for the Arizona Cardinals. There's no doubt about that. Early in a season right now, um, if somehow, someway, the Arizona Cardinals can go and beat the Rams, their nemesis, of course, beat the Rams at State Farm Stadium and play like they did in the second half against the Raiders, that's something that I think is foundational. That's something you can build on early in a season, but it doesn't mean they're going to go on and be a great playoff team. It doesn't mean they're going to win a championship. It doesn't mean they're going to... Only have five wins either if they lose. To me, the upside is definitely there, but it's not crucial.
3: Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at Arizonasports.com and it asks who needs to improve the most for the Cardinals after two weeks? Your choices Hollywood Brown, Zavin Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Marco Wilson, or other.
2: Oh, Isaiah Simmons! Yeah, I think it's got to be. I, I just I don't think that you can get anywhere you you want to go this season realistically without Isaiah Simmons being an impact player. I mean, they're going to need all those guys on that list. But so then he if took a step back.
3: So thirty nine percent of our audience says Isaiah Simmons. So let's take him out of the pool since you guys were like, oh, it's Isaiah Simmons. Okay. Who do you think is the second player that needs to step up the most?
2: Um, Is it specifically this week or it's just for the rest of the season? I'm going to say Marco Wilson. Because by the nature of the position he plays. Even if Byron Murphy is becoming a true shutdown corner, he's not becoming three true shutdown corners. He's right. only one guy. So I would I would still say Marco Wilson. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to say Zayvon I know Collins. You, I know you are. That's why you went Marco Wilson, That's, right? Was, you
0: know, no, I, I'm sorry, not saying I you're wrong you going, on no. that. I mean, it, it does have a huge impact, but Zayvon Collins, once again, um, in the middle, a guy with his kind of length, a guy with his kind of talent against the run, the physicality that he can represent at the point of attack in doing his job and then being able to impact a lot of passing lanes that are out there and playing Zayvon his, his, his Collins beyond a shadow of a doubt. If, in fact, he continues to get better, he's going to impact that defense more than anyone else could.
3: So after Isaiah Simmons, 22%, say Hollywood Brown. 22% also say Marco Wilson, 9% say Zayvon Collins, and then 7% say other.
0: Hollywood Brown. I Honestly, uh, what, what have you seen from Hollywood Brown in two games that makes you
2: think he's got to carry this team or pick it up? I kind of want to know who the other is, to be honest. <laughs> those seem like those are probably the main—Isaiah Simmons— Marco Wilson, Zayvon Collins, I think are, are the three clear. Like, okay, what you know, what's going on? Not what's going on in a bad way, but just like they, they are the ones. Like Hollywood Brown has made some plays already. This is about yeah. what I expected him to be, and yeah. I, I can't think of anybody else on the team where I'd be like, oh, that, that's a clear cut. Especially like how other. banged
0: up the wide receiver room has been
2: for um, the most part. I'll Tell you who's not on this list needing to improve is Greg Dortch because Greg Dortch is doing everything through two no games. Doubt, man. All right, that was wolfing down your lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, as always, when we come back, it has been a state. of the first couple weeks of the season. Where do the Cardinals stand on the injury report heading into week three against the Rams? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Hi, this is James Conner, and you're listening to 987 FM, Arizona Sports
4: Station. The challenges that he went through in college and coming into the league, man, you know, he has like unstoppable heart.
1: Gives to Conner up the middle. He's got a crease at the 35 of the 40, stiff arms, breaks a tackle at the 50, near side 45 40, shoves the defender to the ground.
2: I know what I'm capable of. I know what I bring to the table. I'm going to get to another Pro Bowl. I'm going to continue to score touchdowns. I'm going to do all of that and bring this mindset to a team.
4: The mentality to me is kind of what sets him apart. I start waking them boys up, D. Do, do what you do. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now,
2: All right. Uh, getting you some updates here on these injuries because it has been such a big part of these first couple games for the Cardinals. So we're looking at the injury report. We don't have today's official one yet, Wolf, because it's not out yet. Yes. <laughs> drive okay. projected. I will say this before we get into this, just to close the conversation we were having last segment about how much a win over the Rams would, would mean potentially. If you beat the Rams on Sunday— and I know it's just three games into the season, but that is improvement from week one each week. And yeah. as, as much as the Cardinals have improved year over year since Cliff and Kyler got here they typically haven't improved over the course of the season each year. You know what I mean? Like last yeah. year you're 10-2 and two, and then you trail off. The year before were you 6-3 and three, and then you trailed off and the year before that you know, you were just that was the first year. Um, so it would just be three games but that would be very significant improvement from week one to week two which we've already seen. Yeah. If you beat the Rams that's going to take significant improvement again week three over week two.
0: Once again this is something that I was talking about earlier in the week. I was talking about the how. I want to see the Arizona Cardinals play well against the Rams. That That That, to me, is the most important thing. I thought it was really cool to listen to Zoe talk about Sean McDermott and his four boxes. You know, it was really, really cool to hear that. He wants his team to play well. Win or lose, of course you want to win. There's no doubt about that. But he wants his team to play well, even in a loss. And um, that's what I want to see from this team in Week 3, more than anything else, is go out and play well. Sometimes you get beat. It happens. Sometimes the other guy actually plays a little bit better than you do. And the Rams got guys who can play a little bit better sometimes than you do. I want to see this team play
2: well overall in all three phases. I feel like Sean McDermott now, though, in Buffalo, instead of having the four different quads, he just has the one that says play well and win because that's all the Bills do at this point. Yeah, <laughs> But you're right. Man. When Zoe said that, that really crystallized why the end of that game on Sunday was like, this is a lot of fun, this is great, this is what this team's capable of, but it didn't feel sustainable doing it the way they did right. it on Sunday against yep. the Raiders. All right, so here's the injury report. I'm um, starting with the Rams. I mean, Van Jefferson. Is is there? Obviously, he didn't practice yesterday with a knee issue. Um, Aaron Donald's on it, but it was just rest on Wednesday. So there, again, not really, not much of significance on the opposing uh, side of the injury report for the Cardinals. I'm starting to think Wolf, maybe this is just going to be longer. The, their their half of the injury reports going to be longer than the other teams most of these uh, weeks. They had five guys on here, but they're just on there for rest for purposes. Kelvin Beecham, Hollywood, Zach Ertz, A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson. Nice to see Zach Ertz just on there for rest. Yeah. Uh, Those guys all didn't practice yesterday. Okay, here's the guys that didn't practice yesterday, though, that are— Justin Pugh was on there for rest, too— that didn't practice yesterday because of actual injuries. Zeke Turner with an ankle. Uh, Rondell Moore with the hamstring, and then James Conner with that ankle issue. So here's Cliff yesterday giving a little bit of a James Conner update. He,
4: he's doing okay. Same deal, day to day. We'll try to get him doing something tomorrow and see how it, how it
2: goes. But they followed up and asked him, okay, you know, if you don't have James Conner, how do you feel about Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams?
4: Uh, what we've seen all camp, I mean, they step in and, and do a great job executing and they play hard, they're tough, they're physical. Um, can't say enough good things, I man. Either one of those could easily be a, a one, in my opinion, in any offense, and they know that. And it was great to see them, you know, have their moments and then the success they had. Man, do I love to hear Cliff say that because I could
0: not agree anymore. I mean, this is something I was talking about as well. Just watching on tape Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. Oh, my goodness. Eno Benjamin, tell me you don't well up with a little bit of pride <laughs> Look, with man. Eno Benjamin. I haven't had Minnesota a lot to target. feel
2: great about with the Sun Devils over the last year and a half. So, yes, you Eno uh, Benjamin's carrying the torch
1: for everybody. It,
0: it, it just makes you feel really, really good. Here you got, what, a seventh-round draft pick, Eno Benjamin from, from ASU. And to see this kid grow into a pro right now, he is a pro running back. Eno Benjamin could go on and have a 10-year career plus in the National Football League. He is a professional running back, and watching him go about his business on tape, it just makes you smile. You can see the desperation in how he runs and how physically he's running. He doesn't look like the same guy Mm -mm. that was actually running for the Sun Devils. No. He doesn't no. look like the same guy. He,
2: he doesn't look like the same guy, you're right, but he does. He's starting to look like it in terms of the context of what's around him. You know what I mean? Where, okay, he has the ball and he stands out and he's going to take control of this play and he's running like every play is, is potentially his last, which I know everybody <laughs> says they're going to do, but like Derrick Henry's not running like every play is his last. He's just running people over. Right. Eno is running like he's still running for a job, and you're right. He doesn't look like the same guy he did in college, but he he's starting to make plays like he did in college.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And, again, Daryl Williams, I was so impressed in how he went about his business. So I I love the running back room for the Arizona Cardinals, all five of them, (laughs) which I still am having a hard time wrapping my arms around, the fact they literally had five guys at running back in that running back room. But um, it's going to be really, really important that they get a lot of production because balance is going to be huge Balance is the way you block um, Aaron Donald. In a gross simplification of the truth, that's how you handle him. You've got to be balanced. If you get one-dimensional, and when I say one-dimensional, I'm talking about pass,
2: happy, and throwing the ball, oh, that's you're in exactly trouble. exactly what he wants. You're it's in ex- trouble. That, just, you, you don't need to make Aaron Donald smile on Sunday. Uh,
0: 14 pressures. Here we go. You
2: also don't need to get into a fight with them along the sidelines towards the end of the Super Bowl. Yeah, the that's Bengals the other it thing. It's a great
0: point. I'm so glad you brought but that we up just right play now. And, and yeah, the old the old idiom, "Let sleeping dogs lie." Right? What is that all about? Just leave them alone. Don't poke them in the eye. But they look don't...
3: so cute, and I just want to cuddle with it.
0: <laughs> don't jab them in the face. Don't stick him in the ribs. Don't challenge him. Just leave him alone. I told the story over and over and over again about Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor used to walk up and down the sideline, the other team's sideline, before the game. When you would kick the ball off, the Giants would kick the ball off, and they'd go immediately to a commercial break. LT'd run out there, and then he'd start walking up and down the other team's sideline, saying what he was going to do to every one of them. And and you know what? You had offensive linemen sitting there saying, "Shut your mouth! Don't say a word to him. Leave him alone. Don't even look at him." <laughs> I mean, while he's while he's cussing you out, while he's telling you I what he's going to do, you,
2: you're not. There. Nobody
0: would acknowledge him. Think about that, because you didn't want to focus him any more than he already was. He must have been like, "Why does anybody ever listen to me?" Before. He's gone? <laughs> how good that brother was, man.
2: So I think the same mentality <laughs> applies to Aaron Donald, and if that yes. wasn't obvious, just ask the Bengals in the Super Bowl last year when it kind of looked like they were going to win that game and then decided to start shoving Aaron Donald around. <laughs> if, you want, if you've want, if you got the game wrapped up and you want to shove him with like one play left, get him fired up for San Francisco right. next week, that's right. fine. They, San Francisco can deal with him. Uh, going back to the running backs, too, real quick, Wolf. You know, we're not going to see this guy probably anytime soon, uh, but what does it say about Keontae Ingram that they kept not only five running backs, but man. they kept five running backs when these top three are potentially this good? <sighs> yeah. They I, must have been like, we, we're we not we're never going to see this guy this year, hopefully, but they,
0: we can't let him go. They were afraid Keontae Ingram was going to get picked up but if they have. let him go. Yeah, I, I, t- I totally agree with that. This is a kid. There's a little something-something right there, man. I, I think Keontae Ingram has definitely got a future in the national Football League. How many years? I don't know. It's way too early to tell right now. It's not like he's a high ROM pick. He is not. He is still a guy that I think is very talented and will have that kind of career, but it's too early to say how long.
2: It was the training camp for him in preseason was like he improved his draft stock after the draft, basically. So, if he were available out there, some other team that might have been thinking about taking him the round the Cardinals took him would have been like, okay, yeah, you know what? We won him. We would have, if we knew this, we would have taken him around earlier or whatever. So, they would have swooped in. So,
0: I would, I would wrap this up by saying right now, the injury report for the Arizona Cardinals is this, is this the best (laughs) we felt? On a Thursday yeah, going know, into a
2: game? You know what I was thinking is last week when we did fulcrum football, we had no choice but to do it based just on which injured guys would we want back. Right. I think this week we can actually just do normal fulcrum football. Yes. Again, cause th- that injury report's not horrible like no. it has been.
0: No, it is not. So that's going to be... Good. That's a positive category? That, you're right. Stick to the positive.
2: <laughs> text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty. right now. We come back. Are the Rams no longer that powerhouse in the NFC West that they looked like they were going to be? Or are they just starting slow? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Hi, this is Jalen Thompson, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. They think Jalen Thompson has become one of the best safeties in football. Dumps it off near side, and it's picked off at the 30 by Thompson, running it back near side, 20, 15, 10, 5, he dives for the pylon.
4: He's an silent assassin, man. He doesn't say much, but he's always kind of thirsting for knowledge since he got here. I think he is the most overlooked player on our team. Wolf and Luke, talk Cardinals
2: Now. And Rams coming up on Sunday, and it feels weird to say this, Wolf, like, okay, could you maybe, are you maybe catching the Rams looking a little flat here early this season? Uh, Because they have. Now, it's hard to tell after two games, and and the Rams may be a perfect example of why it's hard to tell, because they opened the season with Buffalo, and Buffalo is just embarrassing teams right now. And they embarrassed the Rams. It was 31-10. to Anybody who watched that game knows it could have been a lot worse for the Rams, honestly, in L.A., the uh, the night that they are celebrating their Super Bowl from the year before. Then they go out there and they beat Atlanta, but they beat them by four in a game that it looked like they had completely under control. And as you met, referenced this earlier, Matthew Stafford has five interceptions through the first two games, and I, off the top of my head, have seen him, th- I can remember two that he has thrown that weren't even intercepted. So he's not starting sharp either. No,
0: he is not. And, you know, once again, we we saw this. I think last year, when you stop and think about it, when you look at some of the interceptions that Matthew, Matthew Stafford threw last year, there were some of it was just careless. Some bad ones, Really yeah. bad and, and careless at that. And just watching the Rams on tape right now um, through two games, they seem careless. It does. It seems careless to me. Uh, they've turned the ball over six times. In two games. That's a ton, of course. Now, their defense has generated seven turnovers in two games. Helps to have that
2: defense, doesn't it?
0: You know, their defense is coming off um, a beating, of course, by the Bills. And that was in the, the first week of the season. But the Falcons scored 24 in the last 12 minutes. 24 points in the last 12 minutes off that defense. And complacency, it appears to be alive and well. In LA. Now, again, they've got good players. They've got great players. They've got elite players. And we know they're the defending Super Bowl champions, so they can flip that switch at any time. But right now, this does not look like the same team. At the end of last year. And you know what? Honestly, it's always going to be a work in progress.
2: Yeah. And, and they are a team last year. They did start well until the Cardinals beat them last year in October. And then they kind of, you know, they were just kind of up and down for a little bit. And then when they had to, they really turned it on. And that's what you can do when you are that talented. And they went on that run. They obviously won the Super Bowl. Uh, Cooper Cup has not, he doesn't look complacent. He already has 24 catches for 236 yards through two games. He's an issue, obviously. He, he's not even. You watch the Rams, and you remember the season that he had last year, Wolf. You would think he's the first guy every opposing defense is looking at when the game starts, right? And then he's open by five yards on every play. I don't understand how the guy is that open that consistently, so but he good. always is
0: open. So good. First of all, he's so smart. Cooper Cobb is, he's so smart. that That's that's first. He's seeing it in his brain base, an audience, and he sees it before he actually runs the route. He's so smart. Well, he knows annoying. how to <laughs> he knows how to create angles and create leverage for himself running these routes and then he goes out and executes it perfectly. Yeah, he, he just he's a joy to watch on tape. He gives everything he's got on every play.
2: Now, on the other side of the field, obviously Aaron Donald is uh, is the biggest issue with this team. This is Kyler Murray talking about Aaron Donald. I mean, he is who he is. Um I, I enjoy, you know, I've, I've learned to embrace and love, you know, the opportunity to be able to play against him.
1: Just because, you know, he, he won't be, you know, he's not going to be here forever playing the game forever. So, um, you know, to be able to step on the field with him is, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's an honor, you know, to be able to, to be able to go to battle against him. Um. And he's like I said, he's one of the best to ever. Do it, so uh,
2: that's how I see it. Kyler just say he's going to embrace the opportunity to play against Aaron Donald. Damn, yeah, okay. he
0: did right there. Not only that, I think he was, you know, he was taking the Lawrence Taylor approach
2: right there. Yeah, well, he sure is great, isn't it? Fun you, know, to what watch it, him? you yeah. know what, Kyler, that? I'm with you,
0: buddy. <laughs> I'm with you right there. Listen, there's no reason whatsoever to sharpen a stick. When talking about Aaron Donald, no reason at all. I'm with you on that one, man.
2: It uh, it feels though these comments we've heard from Kyler on the show the last uh, two days. It feels like somebody said, "Okay, look, Kyler, you can you can have a conflict. You can take the low road, or you can take the high road." And he has taken the like whatever road is above the high road. Yesterday is like, "Oh yeah, that fan that may have hit me in the face, I'd shake his hand." Yes. And here he's like, "You know what? It's it's an honor to play against Aaron Donald." I would hate playing against Aaron Donald if I was a quarterback. Because as a quarterback, you're not even getting to hit him back. You know what I mean? Like, all you're doing is running away from him all game.
0: Yes. Um, It's very interesting because I was having a great conversation with Zoe. It was actually off the air, as a matter of fact. And we were talking about intimidation and the fact that it is a component of the game of football. It is based on anyone who tells you that it is not has not actually been on the field screaming at somebody, (laughs) all right? Because I'm telling you right now, you want to talk about a hyper-aggressive alpha male paradigm when you walk in between those white lines. Intimidation is real. There are bad, bad men that are out on the field. (laughs) Can I tell you that right now? And there are a lot of men that have bad intentions, and they will waylay you, waste you, and it hurts. Trust me on that. Because of that, if if a guy thinks you're good, um, if he thinks you're afraid of him as well, I can tell you right now, uh, that guy is going to be so much better than he actually is. If he thinks you are afraid of him, he's going to be better than he actually is. Now, I'm not saying that is a case between Kyler Murray and Aaron Donald. I am not, but I will tell you right now, Aaron Donald thinks they can get to Kyler no, Murray. He said
2: so. He, he said, said it after, so. First of all, he got to Kyler Murray, and then Correct. after the game in the playoffs, he basically said, uh, we knew we could make him uncomfortable, and we knew we could get him yes. to go down if we got near him. He, that's I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's essentially exactly what he said. That's
0: exactly what he said, and intimidation, once again, matters. And it's real. And because of that, I I promise you, Aaron Donald and the entire defense is going to be screaming at Kyler Murray early in that game.
2: It is not just Aaron Donald on that defense. In case you forgot, Bobby Wagner is now on that defense. No Von Miller, but they got Bobby Wagner. And Bobby Wagner yesterday talked about playing against Kyler Murray because he's done it a few times with Seattle. I think he's
4: done a better job of kind of throwing the ball when he needs to, uh, taking check downs when he needs to. But um, obviously the biggest thing, the biggest challenge is him running. You know, when he doesn't see anything, him taking off. So um, that's been the thing. I think if you let him kind of run around and make – you know, crazy plays come off your guys. Um, you know, they. Not only does he do that well, but the team ignites how for plays like that. So, um, we definitely have to limit limit those opportunities for him.
2: I think Sean McVay is is mm-hmm. showing the video of that twenty one second two point conversion at all, or is he just like I don't even want my guys to see this? Oh yeah, Sh- no, of course he is. If Sean McVay, if he has that running with as quickly yeah. as Sean McVay t- speaks. He could, he could deliver his entire message for the week while that 21-second play was running behind him on the screen. That might be your best
0: work yet, right there. I mean, that is that is really, really good and accurate. Yeah, you're probably so. But, yeah, you're going to show him that, of course. This is what we're up against right here. Never, ever, ever give up. Never quit. And going into this game, this is the reason why I say the Cardinals have to be balanced. It is a must they have to be able to run the ball. And this is why I love what I saw in the second half against the Raiders, because Cliff, Cliff stayed balanced in that second half. That was big, and that was key to coming back. And it's going to be key on
2: Sunday. He stayed so balanced in the second half, Wolf, that I knew you were going to— point out how balanced he was really? in the second half because I'm just like, oh, they're still running. They're not yep. out of this game and they're still running. Uh, do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text character to six twenty six twenty and share their story. What's in it for them? How about a $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports So text character to 620-620. When we come back, where do things stand with the Suns? Following Robert Sarver's decision to sell, we're going to ask our own Arizona Sports Suns reporter, Kellen Olson. He will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. to talk to our next guest in a little while, Wolf, but uh, just hearing the sound of his voice will remind everybody basketball season is almost here. Kellen Olson, our own Phoenix Suns guru, joining us right now in the Arizona sports
1: line. What's going on, Kellen? Hi, Luke. Wow, what a lead, and I feel very special. Hello. That's that's my goal, and now I'm out of here. I
2: just wanted to make you feel happy. Um, all right. All right let's uh, let's just jump right into the uh, the Robert sarver stuff are you wolf I'll give you where wolf and I were on this last week we figured okay yeah he's not going to own this team when the suspension's over and it's going to happen at some point during this upcoming year I for one though wasn't expecting it eight days after the investigation was was put out there were you surprised at all by the fact that he's selling and or the timing
1: no not really to be honest because once the NBA's ruling came down on the investigation, I think it was just really important in terms of the timing of fallout from that. And if, and if we were going to hear from, players on the team, coaches on the team, players across the league, the Players Association, other owners, sponsors, and so on. And We checked out pretty much everything on that list. Uh, we heard from Chris Paul. We heard from LeBron James, We heard from Draymond Green. We heard from minority owner Jam Najapi. We heard from, uh, I believe, the vice president of the, of the Players Association, uh, the, one of the leadership uh, members of leadership in the NBA Players Association, just pretty much saying, she spoke on behalf of all players when she said she didn't, they didn't want to see Roberts over around anymore, and then we heard from PayPal, the, the jersey patch sponsor of the team, so so the fallout was certainly there, but I think the timing of this and just how the Suns were able to, I guess I'll phrase it that way, able to get this done before media day, let alone the season, just in terms of a distraction and kind of moving forward from this, you, you do wonder how much of the conversations took place behind the scenes beyond the fact that the fallout happened. I, I think that's my big question in terms of the timing is, okay, how much of this had to do with what we saw in, in public as opposed to what might have happened uh, behind closed doors? I'm not sure what the percentages are, but either way, the fallout publicly, I, I think, certainly helped and got us to uh, what ended up being, I think, the right move for everyone involved, to say the least.
0: So, Killer, what kind of interest or activity do you expect or anticipate with the sons and their sale?
1: Oh, a, a ginormous amount, Wolf. I think that we've just learned. I, I'm not exactly what... I'm not exactly sure what the date is necessarily in terms of when an NBA franchises became just such an incredible investment opportunity for people. I don't know if it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whenever the day was necessarily, but it, this is just a huge business opportunity for any, anyone who's going to be able to get in on it. And I think that's where you're just going to see a huge level of interest in any NBA organization that becomes available. But if you look at the state, the Suns are in right now, just from a basketball operations standpoint, they've got a really great, Head coach and Monty Williams. They've got a really great general manager and James Jones. They've got a really great team right now. If that matters at all to the person buying it, but then you look at what they've gone through in the last couple of years. They've got the recently renovated arena. They've got that brand new practice facility. They've just got a lot going for them in terms of anyone really looking into them. I, I guess I could see from a certain aspect how some people might not be interested in, like let's say, like the Kings, for example, becoming for sale as opposed to the stunts. I do think that they're really in that upper echelon, considering where they're at right now and their progress in the last couple of years as a franchise. There's going to be a ton of interest.
2: Talking to Kellen Olsen, Kellen, the timing of of that announcement from Robert Sarver happening before media day and before training camp, before the preseason, I'm sure, takes some of the load off the players uh, being asked about it. They're going to be asked about it at media day, but do you expect that we're going to hear much from them on this topic beyond next week?
1: Uh, Beyond next week, I I don't think so. I think that it might be something that comes up in terms of if we have movement on the ownership side in terms of the new person coming in, or or if Sarver is officially, like, the the formalities are starting to occur. Maybe we'll hear little details here and there. But, no, I expect this to be something that we're going to hear about uh, on Monday for sure, media day. But after that, not so much. And, and again, that's where you go back to the timing of this and how – fortunate it was for the Suns, if if I can use that word, and just everyone's going to be ready to ask uh, about it on Monday, and I think everyone is going to be ready to answer the questions about it on on Monday. But then after that, I don't think we're going to hear about it that much in terms of other uh, players and coaches, which uh, for me, personally, guys, uh, I'm, I'm ready to talk about basketball. You guys know me. So we'll, we'll talk about it Monday. We should ask the questions. The questions need to be asked But after that. Uh, basketball, I think, is on the menu.
0: Yeah, you know what? What a beautiful thing that is, too. And <laughs> all jacked up. So let's talk a little basketball. Did you happen to see that Devin Booker made the top 10 in terms of the top 100 basketball players on the face of the planet? Did you happen to see that?
1: Yeah, I I did, Wolf. I I think that's great for him. just kind of speaks to the levels that he's been able to reach in like the last two years specifically, but also just how he's thought of in the league. I think you kind of have to say it out loud sometimes with with what he was accomplishing last year to remember just where we were at. I mean, fourth in the MVP voting, first team All-NBA, and those were both extremely deserved and weren't just like a flash in the pan type of thing at all. He has definitely put himself in that echelon in terms of not only the stars of the league, but the superstars of the league. And I think that's what I'm really curious to see this year from him just as a player because he improves every year. But I'm curious to see, especially with the way the season ended and, and the note that they went on, if we're going to see him not only take it up a level, but take it up a couple of levels and really look to join that group of like six to seven players that we talk about as as the best, the very, very best in in the league because that's a very tough category to join, but he has the talent to do that, and I think the the voting in that kind of process for that kind of thing and and ranking players kind of shows where he's at as a player right now.
2: Kellen Olsen joining us. Uh, Kellen, the trade that Woj reported this morning that Boyan Bogdanovich is going from Utah to Detroit and not really for all that much, with all due respect to Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee. Uh, That was a name that was at least linked to the Suns and on some level made sense for this upcoming season. What do you think they still need to do before the season starts?
1: Say that again, Luke. The
2: last part. I mean, are they set for this season, or are they they still probably need to add a couple players here, don't they?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there is still some kind of change that needs to happen for them in terms of looking at their top seven or top eight of their rotation. I think that Jay Crowder's name has been out there for a while now. Gambo has been reporting that, and and that is no fault of Jay, who who has been great the last two years in the role that he's been in and the role that he's in. What what you'd look for for them in terms of just an improvement and looking offensively on that side of the ball specifically, that's not in Jay's game, and that's where you wonder if we might see Cam Johnson starting, and then you think about Jay coming off the bench. It's like does he even want to come off the bench? That's where you look at how he has been he's been speaking and favoriting things on Twitter in, in the last two months, and you just kind of wonder if that's to do with contract extension. Maybe has to do with that. Well, we don't necessarily know, but looking beyond that, I mean, they could use another ball handler, but Bojan Bogdanovic was kind of a perfect fit just not only in terms of another ball handler, but another score. He's, he's been one of the best shooters in the league since he got in it. He would he would have instantly become the, suck, the Suns' second-best player in terms of getting to the free-throw line. There were a lot of offensive uh, – uh, uh, there's a lot of offensive ability there for someone like Bogdanovich, and that's where you do look at the return and just wonder how much the Suns were interested at all, because I thought that he would go for a protected first-round pick, an unprotected first-round pick maybe even, but he didn't even fetch that. And that's where I wonder if – the Suns were even interested at all, and I know that that'll frustrate some Suns fans, especially with how much James Jones hasn't done, but at the same time, if James Jones has proven anything to us, it's that he's excellent at identifying the types of players that he wants and knows will fit in with this team and fit in with what Monty Williams wants, I'm guessing that Boyan Bogdanovich didn't qualify to a certain degree, and You just have to trust his judgment. He's earned that for sure.
0: So it's totally unfair to ask you this when we have 30 seconds left, but (laughs) I'm going to ask you anyways right here. Do you expect the final results, the final results of the Phoenix Suns to be better or worse this year?
1: Oh, man, if I had to say, I, I would say worse, and that's just because of uh, how much they haven't done in terms of shaking up the roster. I feel like there's a move or two that needs to get done, and the West is a gauntlet. I think that they could go into a first-round series as a two, three, four seed, and the other team that they're playing against could be someone that could really test them. I think they're really looking at that this year, Wolf, and I think that's got to be something that's talked about in the next couple of weeks, just how much of a gauntlet the Western Conference is going to be. It's, yeah. it's going to be brutal.
2: Kellen Olson, great stuff great as always, man. Buddy. Good to talk to you. Thank
1: you. Thanks, guys. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Killer.
2: Kevin Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line, And, uh yeah, basketball season starting up. What is that game against the 36ers is uh, is uh next weekend, so not too far away, that preseason game. Uh, all right, we come back. The Cardinals have one sack through two games. J.J. Watt's the one that has it. How concerned are you about the pass rush going forward? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.